welcome to this episode of the Builder Podcast. Thanks for joining us as we talk about making new products and companies with our talented friends and special guests. I'm Luke Rabin. And I'm Brandon Lewis, and we're the co-founders of Builder, and we're glad you're here. All right, so we are here with Mr. Andy Citizen. What's up, Andy? Not much, guys. Um, So... Andy has um, some unique uh, experience around um, selling things that, that people just don't seem to understand, selling, <laughs> selling the new thing, selling um, cutting edge things. Um, and so, um, yeah, we'd love to pick your brain about that. Yeah, I think we're going to need a, a couple more hours with this three of us <laughs> on this topic. You know, I have sold things that weren't hard to sell, uh-huh. um, but yeah, I've also uh, I enjoy the stuff that is a little more difficult to sell because, in my case, and, and I think a lot of cases, it means you're just a little bit over the edge. You know, you're a little ahead of everybody else, and and that's exciting. Yeah. So before we uh, really dig into that stuff, tell tell us a little bit more about. You know, why are we talking about this now? Um, what what's keeping you busy? What's what's going on with Share More Stories? Yeah, I you know I'm working with a few different startups, and and this is a pretty prevalent question. Uh, and whether you're in Startup Virginia in 1717 downtown, or or at Share More Stories, where I spend my day job or most of my time, uh, I'm the CTO there, so I'm I'm constantly trying to figure out the technology side of that equation. And uh, we have a we have a very interesting product. We're using um, machine learning and human study to kind of blend together and help brands better understand the people they work with. And this came together because uh, my my partners were were um, kind of in the brand CPG business, brand consulting, brand management businesses. And I came at it from a technology standpoint. And I just spent the last I don't know five or ten years just watching the digital transformation create more data, create more people kind of thinking they were figuring it out when it was very shallow. I like to call it shallow data. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like walking along a tide pool for two miles. There's, there's all sorts of data, but it really doesn't tell you anything about anybody. And I get more and more frustrated. Uh, You know, I've watched probably five generations of technology come and go. And one thing that frustrates me the most is I feel like the user interfaces were best in like the nineties and they've been going down since. And part of that's because we're, some of the data driven activity is actually just abstract and it's, it doesn't, uh, they, they're getting comfortable with uh, a, not a perfect knowledge of the people they're trying to engage. And, and of course, we have constant interruption on every, from every modal or mode in front of us. And, um, and so that combination just is frustrating. And so I came at it and said, hey, you know, data matters, but, you know, all data doesn't doesn't mean you've solved the problem. We really need to put humans in front of that. And our, my, my, my peers were in the same boat. So what we've done is come together uh, and built a, a, a set of products that help um, brands engage people to get a fuller understanding of what people care about, get more authentic. And, and that's, a, that's a new thing. That's a new product. That's a new offering and a new concept to some degree. So did I hear you right when, when you kind of mentioned like this shallow data kind of making it a little bit more difficult for you and companies to be in touch with the people that are actually going to be using these products. 
Is that is that kind of? I, I think so. I think it's like addiction. You know, you 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 think you're getting something, and you get a, you kind of get over focused on it. Like, oh, I'm getting all this information about these people. I should, I, you know, I can track people. You know, I remember it's when exciting. when you know shopping malls started tracking <laughs> your phone when you're walking through without you knowing it, and it's exciting. And you think you're learning something, but reality is, we sit down and have a conversation. I still don't even know you. I don't know you because we're humans. Yeah. We have these communication schemes that have been built over tens of thousands of years and we don't even know ourselves so mm -hmm. you're going to use a mm -hmm. digital phone and somehow be like build authentic ways to engage and build relationships with me right. it's not going to happen yeah. yet and so we're trying to solve that gap gotcha yeah. so what what was the the first sales conversation for something like that <laughs> something so so abstract and intangible um what what was that first conversation like yeah um you know it's uh What's your term? Confidence bias. It's not confidence bias. Uh, confirmation bias. Confirmation, confirmation bias. bias. I, I call it agreeableness. Agreeableness with bias. You know, it's people fall in love with things. People love the ideas. People think that is cool. That is interesting. All that builds up in a big old fluffy basket that has no money in it. Right. Mm -hmm. So you first start and get interest, and you get you start attaining um, uh, what people will. Um, find, you know, be sticky, what will build a following, what, what will gain interest. But, you know, I've sold things that cost tons of money. I, you know, I, one of my products had an average sales price of $3 million. So, you know, you don't get $3 million from somebody just because they <laughs> think it's interesting. You, you have to punch through that to their customers. If you're, if you're solving a problem for a customer, how does what you're doing do something for their customer. Mm -hmm. How does it put money in their revenues or reduce costs that they have to deal with? Or you don't get that deal. Not for people don't unless unless it's a it's a point of charity. So you know I think that's where that first conversation starts is is you're listening to people show interest. You're also listening for you know why won't they buy? Right. So tell tell me more about the actual first conversation. <laughs> you know gen generally when you're developing a product like this. Um, you know, you work on the product for a while and, and it becomes this precious little baby and hopefully you're kind of talking to people. Um, but generally when you're, when you're asking, Hey, uh, so-and-so pay me money, uh, for this thing I made, um, what, what was that first conversation, uh, like, and, and, and how did that, how did that change, um, your trajectory? You know, we, I would say, uh, I can almost, I have to look at three because they were happening all at the same time. And I, there was a huge interest and, and one bought, mm -hmm. um, one bought without the insight piece. So what we do is engage people at a story level. So we collect long form stories. And so the experience of collecting stories is actually pretty therapeutic and has a, a, uh, in a tributal value to it that companies will pay for. Um, and so we, we were paid for those projects. Uh, one company didn't choose to do the insights because they didn't know it, didn't think they wanted them. Um, and then one company is, you know, one of those that's still kind of floating out there. Like it's never closed. It's never gone away. It's never. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a lost deal. Those mm -hmm. are the worst kind is the ghost, uh, that, that keep a, a false sense of, uh, potential that take distract, distract you away from it. Because, it's not only they're not buying, it's their perspective of what the product should be. It's mm -hmm. all the definitional things that happen when you're working with that company that cloud your mind, right? So 
if you can't get rid of them, you can't realize, you know, we, we held on to some beliefs that were associated with a very large deal. Uh, and then that deal didn't happen. And there was some of those things we realized were solely associated with that deal. And they didn't necessarily make it the best product. We might actually not gotten other business because of just focusing on those things. So it's, it's really about, you know, setting your own framing for your product. And I, one thing we're very interested in is volume. Uh, so instead of getting, you know, a huge deal, I'd rather get six smaller, mid-sized deals because you're learning through that process. And, and it's about the same funding. Yeah, that, that's, it, that's super tough because, you know, that iterative process, I mean, that, that's, that's awesome that, that you're, you're shooting small. Like, um, you know, in earlier startups for us, we, we kept finding, um, you know, you want the whales, um, you want the giants. Um, but early on, if you're going after that, it goes so slowly that you can't really learn much. You just get, you get tossed from one meeting to the next meeting. Those people don't talk um, and then passed along. And then 18 months later, you, maybe you didn't sell it. You know, it, it's a lot of soft yeses, like you were talking about the kind of dead man walking um, sell that sale that will never end, um, that it will never come to a no, uh, and will just take up more and more of your time. Um, but those, those little, little sales, um, those are, e even though they're not cool and they don't get you to that, that end, end product of, Hey, we're doing it. This is great. We're successful now. Um, you learn so much from those, uh, what would you say is something that is one of those most important things that you've actually learned from? Like, I, I find that you do learn a lot of soft things, a lot of small things, and they build up, and they add up, and they become a lot of really good experiences. But out of all of those, is there one that kind of stands out as something that actually is, has been very helpful? Yeah, I mean, for, for me, it's it's... You know, even some just more traditional, like what what's the decision making process, and that that's more like just corporate sales. Um, uh, but usually, the best thing is, especially like going back to the selling something that people don't understand. Um, the moment that they explain it back to you, or they explain it to someone else who's new in the room, I feel like that's the that's the real golden moment because that's that's when you understand how they understand it. Yeah, I uh, love that. I love that feeling. When you hear someone else explain you who you are and sometimes better than you do, and you're yes. like, there you go. Dang. Done. Wow. <laughs> you're on to something. You said that better than I did. It's, yeah, yeah. And it's happened. It's happened a few times. So uh, I, t I totally get that. And, you know, it's it, you're talking about winning the big deal or losing the big deal. Well, actually winning the big deal can be as damaging because it, it stains you, right? It changes what your product's going to be. And it may, maybe in a good way, maybe in a bad way, but it won't be your way potentially. Mm -hmm. And right. so I, I perf personally like having more iterations to to refine the product uh, than than getting the big kahuna. And, and so we'll, we'll take the big kahunas. It helps pay the bills. Um, so, you know, what we find is because we're selling something new and, and kind of 
big. It's strategic. It's, you know, we're helping rethink maybe a company's culture or how a brand engages a market. And that's not operational. That's not like, hey, my hotel is not going to have enough people in August. How do I fill that slot, right? This is bigger than that. And so we, you really need to be at a C-level, you know, CEO, CMO, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes HR, you know, top of HR. And as we engage at that level, it's, it, it's easy. First off, the, the message connects, but it's easy to get it dropped one or even two levels off that person. And it's easy to let that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it feels okay to, okay, well, I'll work with their VP for a little while. Reality is once you drop off that C and that C doesn't have enough interest to stay on it, there's usually gates that get put up in the process and you never quite get to what you're solving. So we have to be very conscience, conscious of those changes, like those subtle organizational changes in our dynamic relationship with this client means a no to us. We have to walk from that kind of stuff um, because we find ourselves, uh, you know, and, and we got to decide if we walk from that stuff, right? It's not the perfect account. We have, we have scenarios where, you know, you're not going as big as you could just because you're not in the right spot in the organization. And if we're going to solve the problems we're trying to solve, you have to be in those spots. So... How do you, so that, I mean, we, we come across that a lot too, right? And, and it's one of those things where with every client that we have and every, every customer and partner that we work with, we, we look back and we're like, all right, man, this next time we'll, we'll watch out for this. Um, and so for, for you, what has been some of those things that have helped you to identify this lack of alignment of, okay, things are something fell through, something's not right, and, and this is going to go awry. Well, um, I worked for EMC, I mentioned earlier, um, a big tech company, and they're known as one of the best sales organizations in the tech world. Um, and I don't think that's even arguably. I think that it was just a great place. And so we, you learn sales like nobody's business. And so I, I've watched sales from the masters and, and learned, you know, like my favorite question when I've run sales groups, um, and it's not, you know, when you're going to have it done, you know, what, what's the quarter, how, you know, have you got all the qualifications done? Those are givens. One of my favorite questions is why are they not going to buy? Hmm. And hmm. because if you really answer that question thoughtfully, you'll give the reasons why they won't buy. And, and if you can give me five reasons why they won't buy, then they're probably not going to buy. Mm-hmm. Well, how, what are you doing to solve that not buy? So I'm, I'm very quick to turn on this. Why won't these people buy what we think is going to be a natural closed deal? Mm. And, if, and that allows you to find the contingencies. I will tell you in my past, I've had a C-level give me a very large proposal, signed, no one above this person to close that deal. And then that deal never turns into a PO because... Something happens, that person's gone, the company gets merged, you know, so much happens. And so contingencies are always there. And I don't think in sales you learn how to, you, you figure out how to get rid of contingencies. What you learn is how to distance yourselves from risk and to pop, propagate your pipeline to match the risk, the natural risk of your pipeline. So that's really yeah, what it's that's about. That's good. Yeah. That's so with products that people don't understand, like, or they've never seen before um, that are really cutting edge. Um, how how have you navigated the kind of um, leaders laggers sort of uh, dynamic? Because you know people that like to just look around at what other companies are doing, they'll they'll never be 
a good customer for something like that. So how do you, how do you how do you kind of sort through um, who are who are the people that are really going to gravitate towards something that um, you know isn't already everywhere? It's a great point, and um, you know there's there's a few theories out there on the idea of early adopters and mainstream, and you know you can track those cycles, and we're definitely in that kind of area where we have to. We're in early adopters for at least this year and probably next year. Um, so you just have to re- you have to be able to evaluate what you have to understand that persona of that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I liked uh, you know um, Luke, I've seen your your work on uh, using the market demand curve as kind of a product you know, framing or positioning or tuning, I think it's a great, great perspective. It's almost like an upside down normal curve. Where's your masses? Where's your, where's your early adopters? And, you know, what is the tuned little pieces of features and functionality that will, you know, actually naturally cross those buy barriers? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a, helpful way to look at things because especially early on the conversations that go well um, those are the people way at the top of the demand curve Um, and you're not really going to get into the masses unless you've got something really well refined Um, and so you're you're kind of only playing at that that top place Mm -hmm. um, and hoping that uh, if you really jump into productizing something and taking it more mass market or selling it much much further than like the first few customers, um, it is kind of a precarious jump down from the the people who are both the leaders and also the ones that are experiencing the the problems that you're solving far more painfully than other people that you that you might talk to. Um, but there there can be that much larger mass market just a little bit further if you can um if you can make the user experience much more tolerable or you can uh get it in front of them much more easy easily because they're not banging down your door because they're desperate for a solution um but that kind of brings up one one other question um related to startups um because you know tech startups are all about tech Um, and you know, that's the cool part. Um, you know, working with startups now as both a tech person and a guy who's deep in sales, um, you know, how do, how do you see those playing together in a healthy way, um, rather than one dominating the other? Yeah, it's, it's great question. Um, and, and it leads to something I think will be interesting for the viewers or listeners to hear about. Um, the, you know, when I, I came on, I, I came on a couple of years after the company had started and, and met with James, our CEO, James Warren. And I said, you know, you're a tech company and a services company. And that's dangerous from a dilution standpoint. Like you, mm-hmm. tech takes a, a 10 mile an hour treadmill to run on. And, uh, you know, services is a different business. And, you know, we, we will have to think about how do you balance that and how do you manage investment to get both. And, you know, we, I just finished making the Duckburg. That's an inside joke. It won't make any sense. But this idea of, a, you know, duck feet aren't going to make it from technology. We need an iceberg. Like mm-hmm. I played off that, those two metaphors. And, um, you know, to be a human and tech company that's balanced, we might have to spend 2x that on tech than we do on the human side of that equation, mm-hmm. or it might be some other mix. Right? We don't know yet. But to 
have your storefront be balanced. We have to think about the back office around that. And so one thing we did, uh, I, I think is pretty uh, innovative this last year was we had a, a product called Seek. It's S-E-E-Q, to, uh, stories to, uh, you know, engage and question. And um, it was a, it's a discovery tool for us. We go in and work with companies and we discover insights from the Seek tool. Well, we turned it into a community event because uh, it, we decided, you know, we wanted people to have more tangible understanding of our this new product. So we created Seek RVA, and we came up with some really interesting things to uh, engage the community around things about like health and pleasure versus and and how do you how travel impacts you. Or we just finished doing uh, how you show up um, in your authenticity and you know are you faking it in digital and physical platforms things like that. And uh, October is going to be uh, the new work or the death of retirement, like this idea of living to work or working to live. And so Seek was uh, the, the 2019 event was, was about getting out and first just engaging the community, having people participate, learn from this. And like we, we refine the product by engaging people and working on, and what we do is, you know, it's a storytelling experience. So people collect, uh, share stories and we collect those and we do analytics against that. And all the reporting from that is free for this, this program. So we put those reports out. And, um, part of that intent was to a fully authentically engage the community, tune the product and also use it as a business development tool and engage, mm-hmm. you know, local and regional players to come in and participate. And we've, you know, we put at least two leads every event into our, um, pipeline and closed a couple of those. So it's been a really interesting way to take, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like a different way of doing business development by also tuning our product. That's awesome. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. And, and it's a lot of fun. People love coming. And it's, it's, uh, that's the greatness of the product. It, it, what we do is a kind of a community, it's a, it feels like a community give back already. So, um, you know, it's, it's a, it, but it, you know, what's also interesting, it's a weird blend of us as a business, but doing a community event, but also doing analytics against that and then putting out reports that will potentially affect our business development. A few people were like, oh, wait a second, I got I got I don't know how to categorize you. You know, I don't know where to put <laughs> right. you in this, right? And but the good news is we have a, a really great growing following. We have it's getting it's really sticky and uh, we just did one in Milwaukee and now we're looking at New York City. Uh, so it's growing. That's nice. awesome. So how how do those events actually turn into leads? Because they're you know, the conversations, like going back to what we were talking about in the very beginning around, you know, what, what you're selling at the enterprise or, or B2B level is, um, you know, deep, deep insights. Um, and these events are, um, you know, not necessarily, they're, they're about individual insights. Um, so how, how, does, how does that translate where where do where do the potential leads kind of perk up in those events? It's human, baby. Just <laughs> um, you're a dad. Uh, <laughs> just kidding with you. Um, it's it, I'll explain it completely, and that is, let's say we're doing one about health, and it's an interesting topic. Uh, like, um, what what's it mean? What's it mean to be a mom? I'm going to make this up. You know, we aren't doing that one, um, but 
you know, uh, so you're coming and you're attending and you're you're sharing a personal story. One thing we ask is it's a personal story. We don't want we don't want fiction. We don't want you know venting. We don't want narrative. We want you know just go into the moment, be a part of this, share. And part of what we do is get people engaged. And it's weird how in two hours we can take a room full of strangers and they're walking out like buddies. Like I've had people say, "I'm going to go write my book. I've, I've been holding this for 20 years. I didn't think yeah. I would ever get this out of me. Never thought to get it out of me, but now it's out of me, and I'm going to go write a book." Or you know we're going to be the best of friends, and and it's 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 a little be honest anomalous. It's it's interesting to watch this happen in the groups. Um, but so you're sharing a story, you're getting your personal story on paper. If you're willing, we can collect it. We collect those stories, and whether you're uh, you're you want to use your name or you want to be anonymous, you know if you opt in, we'll keep your story. And let's say we collect sixty stories on that, we'll use natural language processing after that to take all that text and and start to look at. Um, you know, what can uh, the AI, the machine learning, tell us about that text? And we use uh, Watson as part of that. And Watson had done something on the big five personality work and we're able to pull out all these attitudinal scores, which will, you know, things like vulnerability or liberty or pain or suffering or, you know, a need for closeness or a need for stability. And so we take those raw scores and start to profile groups, communities. So if we had a community of people talking about something, we'll profile a community and we'll look for interrelationships between all those scores. And that's where a lot of the insights is coming from, is us taking that, what we call an operant response. It's not what you told me, it's what your th- needs are, your values are, your emotional attachment to the perspectives of that story, and, and what you said in the words. So we take all that together and build a more complete story across, say, 50 people, and that is valuable to the business. Um, but if you come to a seek, the person sitting beside you might be an EVP at a local or uh, right. you know, someone out of New York right. and who is an insurance agent or uh, you know, executive or a healthcare executive, <clears throat> and they're, they're learning what, how they could use this tool because they'll mm-hmm. be there, they'll experience it, and then they'll see the results. But not only are they experiencing it, it's just like you, the company is engaging the community, right? It's, there is an active, um, there's a vulnerability there that you're providing people. <coughs> Sorry, man. Nope, I, could, nope, I was trying to let go. <laughs> it's like you're providing people with this platform to be real. Which is not easy to do. This authentic um, culture that p- people are growing in their desire for authenticity. And the fact that you're providing that for people is one, it's, it's giving people, lowering people's guards to be able to then consider, okay, cool, this is a, this is a really cool company. Yeah. This is a pretty awesome company. Yeah. I, I mean... You, you, you kind of get lucky how you come together, right? Jen mm-hmm. Pike is uh, and, and James Warren and I are, are three chuckleheads, and we just love uh, humanity. We love the idea of why people think, how they think, how they feel, and um, you know, a bunch of uh, psychological hacks, if you will, like a hobbyist. Uh, I have a psychology undergrad, but you know, I didn't get the doctorate. <laughs> and uh, you know, we, we we you know we spent twenty years of our life kind of in parts of that aspects of understanding that and it's just a weird uh, culmination as we came together it's just a there's a, a certain additional um level of ipre inherently built into who we are just like yeah. you two guys are you know you have a really interesting uh, design aesthetic you have you know creative 
experience beyond your years. You know, there's those kinds of things that came together in the three of us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, and yeah, the one thing that I, I've been thinking about a lot, and this is completely off topic, um, or off topic of what we were originally going to talk about. Um, but so, um, and we can kind of wrap up with this, but you know, what you're dealing with is, is very powerful. Um, and you guys, like you, you were saying, um, a bunch of chuckleheads, uh, nice guys dealing with very deep and powerful insights. Um, how, how do you manage and how do you manage that power? Um, you know, especially in the light of like all the Cambridge Analytica stuff, because it, it's something that can be used for, for deep good um, in terms of how, how do you reposition brands around um, supporting the authentic, authenticity of their customers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's also the flip side. Man, that feels like a segue I should have talked about. I mean, that's perfect. Um, you know, our, our mission statement uh, starts with, it's actually our vision statement. Our vision statement starts with, uh, we believe good is profitable. And, uh, and if it's worth doing, it, we should do it. And so we have a perspective that if, it, if it's worth doing, it's worth funding too. So we can't fund everything, but we, we want to really chase and be on the edge of driving really amazing good things because uh, humanity needs it. I mean, gosh, no one's caring about us. And I love cap. I'm a capitalist. I'm a big capitalist, but also capitalism needs an ethical mm-hmm. layer. Mm-hmm. It needs a, a companion to be ethical. And so what we built into our, 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 governing documents is that there's an ethics uh, model for data. We, uh, we have specific rules. Uh, one of the big running things is we use data to understand, not to predict. Mm-hmm. And, and um, these, are, these are big driven uh, into our every essence of what we're building. So, you know, thanks for asking that question. I forget to talk about it, but uh, we, you know, uh, we're like opt-in environment are, are, is people engage us. Uh, you're anonymous unless you tell us you want to be something else. You're, you don't have to talk. You don't have to say a thing. You can sit in the room. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. You opt into everything beyond that. And right. what we find is you give people the opportunity to engage. They're going to be more engaged. And, and that's really critical to what we're doing because if you're not allowing people to be authentic and they don't trust you, and then we just finished a big study on authenticity and trust, you don't trust you, they're not authentic. Mm-hmm. And, and read the report, it's really brilliant. Uh, Jen just finished writing it up. And, um, you know, so this idea, we, we were very interested in creating the most authentic ex- responses we can give to the brand customers that we're working with. So, yeah, we're, we're just burying it in our, our, everything we're doing. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, yeah that's good to hear. Um, and, yeah, there's, there's never, a, a, there hasn't been a more needed time for, um, for that, but both that type of authenticity, but also, um, the opportunity with how to marry that with data. So Andy, thanks for being here, man. Yeah, it was, man. Hey, it was a blast. You. Um, so yeah, looking forward to talking more soon. Absolutely guys. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the builder podcast. If you like what you heard, have someone or something you'd like to hear us talk about, or just want to continue the conversation, leave us a comment on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasting fix. And if you have your own product or startup idea and want to know how Builder can help, 
please check us out on our site, startwithbldr.com, and drop us a line. Until the next one, keep building. Keep building.